Welcome back to the KPL Podcast. I am your host, Jagisha. Listeners, this week on the podcast, I have author Edward Carey, and we are going to be talking about his newest novel, Edith Holler. Edward, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. So I am very excited to talk about this book. I had so much fun reading it. So can you tell the listeners what the book is about? Um, yeah, it's, it is set in 1901, uh, just after Queen Victoria has died. It's uh, set in England in the, in the city of Norwich, um, in the east of England. Norwich is a city where I come from. And it is the story of a, of a young girl who, through possibly nefarious reasons, lives inside a theatre and is told she cannot leave it, that there is a curse on her. Um, and she's a child who's been ill, but she's uh, allowed to walk through the public in this theatre as a sort of ghost. And so her father, who runs the theatre, is sort of playing with her, with, with his child in a rather distressing way. Um, but, but this child who can't go out is fascinated by the city she lives in, but doesn't walk, walk about. And she studies the city. People from other people from the theatre bring in lots of books about about the 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 city and she, and its history, and she discovers some terrible secret um, of the city and wants to tell people people about it. But she, her father, demands that she's silent always when in public, and so she goes about writing a play about this terrible secret. Um, and this, the play that she writes. Um, unfurls all the drama um, in 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 the novel. Um, it's based on a the the principal sort of the antagonist of the story is a folklorish character um, called Mother Meg, which Mother is a East Anglian word for mother, who um, who who tamed it. What was a massive sort of plague of Death Watch beetles in Norwich, um, and after which he made a sort of delicacy out of dead death watch beetles um what what is most alarming is that edith the narrator discovers that children have been going missing for for centuries and she thinks that this strange haunting figure more than meg is behind it oh okay and so what inspired the story well, so I, I wrote it during the pandemic, like I, I'm sure almost every novel coming out these <laughs> days. And I was I was working on something else, but it was too difficult at that time. And I wanted to write something. I've always wanted to write about theatre. I've worked in the theatre um, a, a lot myself. Um, and I've always wanted to write a novel set inside uh, a theatre. And at the, during the pandemic, in, I live in Texas, but I'm from England. The British theatres were closing. Of course, all the theatres were closing down, but but the, well, many British theatres were closing down permanently mm -hmm. because the Conservative government weren't supporting them. And it just felt like what I, you know, one of the things that I missed desperately during the the pandemic was that sense of theatre. There's nothing else like it. That live sense of theatre is so is so extraordinary. And I thought, well, why can't I write about someone who's stuck inside? Like, like we all were mm -hmm. um, during, uh, during that time, um, and write a write a novel that's about imagination. And you know, we had to use our own imagination so much during COVID that that we could travel 
one to wonderful places while never leaving a room. And I feel like um, in the theater, in the room, that is the, the stage, so many possibilities can happen. You, you can say, you know, I'm in, in this, I'm in Illyria from, from, from Shakespeare or something like that. And suddenly you go, all right, then that's that. And in theater, you can bring back all the dead. You, you know, again, using Shakespeare, and Shakespeare's used a lot in the, in the novel. He, he brought back all the, you know, dead kings of England that had them alive on stage so you can you can play with ghosts in the theater you can have you know imagine incredible possibilities you can do anything it is a room where anything could happen and that seemed to me something so exciting and that's what I wanted to write about mm -hmm. so now the your book all of your books contain illustrations so I've always been curious do you do do you come up with the illustrations first and then the story comes about or is it the other way around it, it's a mixture, actually. Um, I, I do. Yes, I always um, illustrate the book, the books that that I that I write. I, it, I, if I can't see the characters and I need to physically see them, I feel like I don't know them. Mm -hmm. And so, drawing them is a way of getting getting to know them. And I draw or paint or sculpt throughout the throughout the process of writing the book. And the illustration argues with the text, and the text argues with the illustration. Eventually, I have to get them to agree with one another. Um, and so for me, it's a way of getting really deeply involved in the world. I'll never not do a book without illustrations. For me, it's, a, it's, it's an essential part um, of the text. But also, as write, writers are always desperately looking for ways not to write. Um, and this is this is one way of, of doing that for me, um, while still really focused on the on the um, on the project. And it's a good way to procrastinate. <laughs> <laughs> so now the illustrations, like you can actually create the your own toy. Yeah, I, I know this is you know you won't be able you won't be able to see this if you are listening in, but but I create um, the illustrations are a Victorian era. Um, toy theater um and so yes it's possible to cut out the novel and you would create the, the toy of that era but with the characters from the novel in it um and um and and edith herself as a as a as a child plays with these toy theaters all the time and it's as if her theater the the, the toy theater in the in the novel is her play come to life so that you could actually cut it out and, and play with it as i say but if you would rather not cut out the novel, you can just download it from my website. I put mm -hmm. it on the website. You can just download the toy theater and then construct it. But that for me, that would seem to be her world. That's how she played. And now she's actually a, a character herself, a toy theater cutout character. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that about the book. And, I, you know, as a librarian, I'm like, no, no, you can't cut books out. <laughs> you can't cut pages <laughs> out of the book. But I'm glad you put it on your website. <laughs> <laughs> now I have read that uh so Swallowed Man was kind of a Pinocchio retelling uh from the perspective of Geppetto so now in this uh Edith Haller is a retelling of Snow White well vaguely I mean it, it's it's one way of explaining it to you there are a lot of references to Shakespeare and to fairy tales and folk tales throughout mm -hmm. it so as far as Edith is concerned, she can only think of life in terms of stories. That's mm -hmm. all she's been fed on. She's not been, she's not had an ordinary life. She's had a fantastical life. So she can't, she can't understand actually how to think of, think of things in, in any other, in any other way, except to express them through plays or through fairy tales. Um, and so to, to help 
explain to to a reader one way that she might put it is it's sort of the, a version of Snow White and uh, Seven Dwarves with the more than Meg as this this step, sort of stepmother creature. Mm-hmm. Um, but but the dwarves in this would be would be the murdered children of Norwich. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was trying to figure. I'm like, how are the dwarves involved? <laughs> so as I was trying, as I was reading about this, now is the um, it's set in Norwich, and that's a real city in England. Is the Holler Theater also based on a real theater? It is. It's based on a, the first theater I ever went to. Um, um, as a as a kid, my parents would take me to um, the the Theater Royal um, Norwich, which is what it's based on. But but. Um, it wasn't called the Holler Theatre. The Hollers are um, inventions, but um, that theatre burnt down. The Victorian theatre burnt down. Um, so it's a it's a it's a version of that theatre. The the current Theatre Royal is a is a modern, not particularly pretty building. But that was that place where I first saw the magic of theatre, and I remember going to the, the pantomimes, you know, which happen in in the in the UK every Christmas time, and just like many kids just falling in love with that world and finding it just astounding. Mm-hmm. So Edith is fixated on Norwich. And so could you talk a little bit more about her fixation and just kind of dive deeper into that? Because there was this one scene that I really enjoyed was when she ran out of the reading material in the library and then the librarians were actually getting documents for her. <laughs> yes, I think they the, 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 the librarians here and I were having another uh, having another dig at the conservative government um, in the in in the novel because the um, the the library where she gets much of her uh, um, information is is burnt down by arson, um, and th- this is the the conservatives are going around closing libraries all through the country, and it's something that is so desperate awful for you know that possibility of future reading for for kids who you know don't have lots of money it's just it's just as atrocious and and disgusting and so I wanted to put that in with my wife was a librarian and you know with my love for for um for librarians and yes she does research she loves she, she sort of she becomes an absolute expert Mm-hmm. On the city, she's not allowed to step out into, and she so she knows the history of the whole buildings, and she has maps of it in her bedroom. She she can she tells you about all the famous buildings of the city and gives you a kind of a a history of it. Um, and so she she feels so passionately about this city, and and another way of looking at this city perhaps is is it's a not a very interesting city. Mm-hmm. To other people, it would be seen as a kind of parochial sort of nowhere place. But to her, it's the be all and, and, and everything. It is a wonderful city. I want to make that absolutely clear. I adore Norwich. It has an amazing cathedral. It has a wonderful um, Norman castle. It has wonderful history. But, you know, it's not London. It's not Edinburgh. Um, but she understands it in a way, you know, that's extraordinary. We could all become experts through research in libraries or, or whatever of a, a single subject and this is her subject and she knows it completely and she's you know a 12 year old child who's absorbed all of this mm-hmm. um and what she goes out the sort of furthest out she can go she goes up onto the roof of the theater and looks out at her city and then in an act of cruelty, someone gives her a guidebook, a Baedeker, which was a sort of guidebook that were very common during the, the period. 
and it and it calls Norwich a very dull, indifferent place, and she's heartbroken. Oh, yeah. I you know as I was reading that and what you're saying about libraries and and clothing. I mean, we're kind of going through the same thing in the U.S. a little bit with the the book banning. So I know Texas oh, and Missouri. So yeah. uh, it's been terrible. Yes, it is awful. I cannot bear it. I was just reading a piece this morning in the Washington Post about Art Spiegelman talking against uh, 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 about the, the book banning going on in America. It's such it's such thuggishness. It's just awful mm -hmm. how you know, how you can, how you can try and gag and silence. Yeah, how it can even happen. I find it incomprehensible. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Okay, so. You kind of mentioned this earlier as you were telling us about the novel, but what is Beetle Spread? <laughs> <laughs> so, so um, it's, I, I've been slightly naughty. You know, I've said that there are there are Death Watch beetles all, all over Norwich. I mean, there were there there were, and, and they were mostly wooden buildings, and and the um, the city was prey to to. Uh, this pass and it would cause serious damage so that suddenly there would be a sort of rumble and a, and a, and a building would have collapsed because the, the 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 wood had been eaten out but I have it in the novel that there was a plague of death watch beetles and this character from folklore more the Meg discovered that by she was she was a lonely very strange woman and nobody quite knows her, her history but she, in a in a sort of in a, in a desperate state, was banging her head in misery against the wood of her, her hearth in in her house, and and it was like a mating call to the beetles, and so they all followed her noise, and she becomes a sort of queen of the beetles, and she cooked them all as these beetles swarmed into her house from all over the city, filling it up with beetles. She cooked them in a large cauldron and found out that the taste was quite lovely. Um, and so she made it into a spread. I suppose it would look something like uh, the English spread Marmite. Um, but but Norwich itself, and I don't I, I deliberately don't mention this, um, but the inspiration for it is Norwich is uh, famous for um, English mustard. Mm -hmm. For Collins mustard comes out of Norwich, and so as a child, I always was always seems to be extraordinary that this city that I loved was famous for its condiment. <laughs> so <No>. that's the spread, <laughs> and so and, and and over time it turned red. The spread, um, and it, and it had in it um, uh, Madder roots. One of the one of the main one of the old squares in in Norwich is called the Madder Market. Mm -hmm. It's still now, and it's where they sold madder root for dying of clothes. Um, and uh, Norwich is very famous for having this red shawl. And when they were really making this shawl with with madder root, the the the, the river Wensum, which runs through the city, was red because of the dye. Uh -huh. um, and I think, oh my God, it's an extraordinary um, extraordinary image of industry and mm -hmm. pollution. Which seemed, which seems to resonate in my mind again against the Conservative government, because now all the rivers in the UK are just um, full of sewage. Oh. Uh, it's a desperate, it's a desperate problem. So I wanted to uh, not direct me, but to have that image in the in the novel as well. Mm -hmm. So would you say this book is a is a little bit of a love letter to Norwich? 
yeah <laughs> yes again you know writing it in the in the pandemic i um uh i i miss theater desperately and, mm. and i miss working in theater but but i miss home i couldn't i you know i'm this is my best texas accent um having been here um all this time i'm you know i'm i'm english i'm from england i will always be english um, no matter how long i live in america um mm. And I missed home terribly. And this was one way of, of thinking about home. Yeah. Yes, I feel like that came across in the book. <laughs> <laughs> so what is your process in terms of storytelling? So do you do, is it similar to playwriting? Because you also write plays. And so is the process very similar or is it is it very different for you? Uh, well, it's. I mean, I used to, I used to write plays. I used to, you know, I said work in theater, but, um, uh, I wrote years years ago when I wrote my first novel. I um I realized that there was something that what you could do in 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 fiction in in novels is is amazing because you can have as many actors as you want. You can have you can travel to as many countries you want. You can call on dragons or whatever you want, and the budget's the same. Mm-hmm. It's just you and a piece of paper, and you can go anywhere, which seems to me actually magic actually mm-hmm. actually very real magic um and um uh so so when i first wrote when i wrote my first novel i suddenly thought wow oh my god you could do anything and and you can go back and correct it and so the difference is you you have no limitations um and as much as i love theater when you see a great piece of theater there's nothing better in the world but I love the the contained world of the novel and that you could do imaginative, hugely imaginative things um, mm-hmm. and, and it would be acceptable. Um, and, uh, you know, you have that sort of freedom. Um, for, for, for this novel, I wanted it at times to feel like a play. There's a lot of dialogue in it. Um, and it, sometimes it feels like the, the characters in the in the play have somehow got a hold of the the script of Edith's and are speaking her lines. Um, and I wanted to structure it um like a Shakespearean tragedy that that there were five acts in it. There are five parts and leading towards the the, the final part is set almost entirely upon the stage with finally the play or a version of the play um, mm-hmm. in action. So so for me one of the things um is I need to have a character lead the um, lead my writing. I usually write in first person, and so I want to get that voice. And it's it's kind of like acting, you know, what they call you know ventriloquism when you're writing in the first person. So I wanted to sound like Edith, to be Edith for her, for only her way of looking at the world to lead us through the novel. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And actually, I was watching a presentation that you did uh, for Swallowed Man, and you were talking about how, you know, he's inside this shark. It was Geppetto's inside the shark and how you had to come up with, you know, he's and he's writing and coming up with ink <laughs> and the octopus. And I think I found that whole process like you just kind of coming up and thinking of ways to for him to continue for two years was was just great. Yes. Well, and I think that that terms of expression of making art is what kept kept him as kept him alive mm-hmm. um of the, just the act of creation mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And I think that speaks for everything that we do. I mean, we need to, to create uh, just in life in general, not just, you know, inside a shark. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. So how do you pick your topic for your story? So I know you said, Edith, this book was more that you missed home and you were in the pandemic. So how did you end up like for, for Swallowed Man, how did you end up picking that particular topic? Well, that was a, that was a, that was, I was given a commission from my um, Italian editor, I just finished a, a, a book and um, she contacted the director of um, what's called the Parco di Pinocchio, Pinocchio, Pinocchio Park in, 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 in Collodi. The, the book is written by Carlo Collodi. He named himself after the, the, the small town of his childhood. Um, Collodi, um, and there they have this huge sort of Pinocchio, beautiful um, theme park. It's not like Disneyland. It's all sort of old and creaky and rather wonderful. Um, and um, they gave me a commission. They said, would you, they have this wonderful gallery there. Would you do a piece on on Pinocchio and do anything that's just got to be related to Pinocchio and I I know the book well and I read it and reread it and and I couldn't I was going ah, now how to do it and then I realized that Collodi in in that book only uh, needs to get Geppetto out of the way um so it, it's not his story they're following Pinocchio's adventures and, and so he gets um, Geppetto swallowed by an enormous shark in the in the novel and he sits there for two years and i thought okay right uh what would he do he would have to create he was an artist he created his son and so i thought oh i'm gonna make that's what i'm gonna do for for the exhibition in the parco di, di pinocchio i will make geppetto's art while he was inside this enormous fish mm-hmm. um and then as I was doing it, I thought, oh no, this is like this is like Robinson Crusoe. I need to write the journal that he wrote while he was inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was just in- yeah, incredibly fascinating. Um, that particular book too. So what's next? Are you working on a new project already? Uh, I'm over 200 pages into something. Yeah, and I'm not quite sure what it is, and I, I'm, I'm quite suspicious that um, superstitious, rather. I feel like I can't talk about it until, until it, until it, it until until I know exactly what it is. And I think it's advice I, I teach creative writing um, here in Austin, and 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 the advice I always give to my writing students is keep the book to yourself. Don't don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, until 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 it's grown until you at least have a draft um and that way you protect it protect it and that way it's your it's your property um and the more you talk about it it slips out and it starts to die a little so i can keep it quiet oh yeah no that's good advice i think i've heard stephen king say the same thing where he says right with the door closed is what he calls it so yeah absolutely i think that's the only way the only way to do it mm-hmm. What do you hope readers take away from your book? Um, well, I hope they I hope they will uh, enjoy the adventure. It's really about young people standing up to to the older powers that have you know awful authority and do appalling things um, in the name of industry. Like there are dead children in the Beatles spread, um, and and actually that's what I wanted it about to be about. It's quite it's quite simple, and um, but it's also this, the the novels full of 
ghosts and and you know theater characters it's stuck inside the theater it's a hymn to theater if you love theaters you know it's it's it, it's my it's it's my it was sort of hollering my love of theater while sitting in the in in, in the pandemic um and just you know just enjoying it i um I, I worked for the theatre in Romania and Lithuania, and I worked with a shadow puppet master in Malaysia. And so this kind of world of theatre is something that, that I have such a longing for. And um, years and years ago, I worked as a, a stage doorkeeper of a West End theatre in London, and I had the keys to that theatre. Little me, I would bike into the to the West End, and I would unlock the I would unlock the theatre, and then I had it to myself, an old Victorian theatre, and I could walk all around it. And the amazing building would make very strange sounds that you mm -hmm. couldn't quite tell what was coming from where. Um, and so I put all my the, you know the the experiences that I had in in theatres into this novel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's like me in libraries. And when the library is very closed and or not closed but empty uh, in the evenings or early mornings, it's it's kind of like that walking around and there's just you know just the books and they're I feel like the books are breathing. So. Yeah, exactly. And they and you know that's that that pri private time with you and the books. It's just amazing. Or with you in a building, and at one time years and years ago, I I worked um, at Madame Tussauds, and I wrote a then a later years later I wrote a novel about her life. Um, but being alone in the waxworks with those figures was mm -hmm. was was something I actually cherished because I I ended I ended up loving the waxworks and feeling very very protective of them. Mm -hmm. before the public came in i don't know if you like that with books i mean obviously they're there to be be shared but but you're also feel protective yes yes definitely so now do you do any local theater there in austin or or um, texas no no i haven't i haven't done so much so much later i did um i was a dramaturg of uh the ballet here for for um uh for based off the uh, fairy tales of the brothers grim um i i do little bits and pieces um but i i i do less theater because there, one has less access to it um but um so this was my kind of uh, way of getting back into theater of 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 loving it i mean whenever i'm in there's not that much theater in austin there's there's some some of the the companies have been put under unbearable um strain just because the the city has got incredibly expensive to live mm -hmm. in and so it forces many arts um out alas but um but whenever i'm in london i go to see theater all the time whatever you know whatever whatever i can whenever i can mm -hmm. i go to to see Shakespeare, just to hear Shakespeare, just yes, yes, and it's and it's always obviously you know thrilling and exciting. All right, so this is the last question. Uh, what and this is something I ask all the authors is, what are you reading currently, um, and or what do you recommend we read? Well, so I was I was I was I love love the fact that you have that 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 as a as a question, and I've I've grabbed a couple of books here because I was thinking, yeah, what have I read recently that is so exciting. And um, I would I would like to to mention Kappa, which is a Japanese book, K A P P A, uh, published by New Directions Press, um, which is which is sort of a strange voyage into a new world, um, and it's so exciting. It's very thin, and and it feels like 
you know, it feels like um, a sort of, uh, we have a book called Fungus the Bogeyman. It's about, um, but it's about an ordinary man going to, into a sort of underworld. And it's so strange and unique mm-hmm. um, and linked with um, with Japanese folklore, which I thought was just incredible. The other book that 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 um, is recently out in in paperback, I would really love to recommend it is Golan Girl by Riva Lira. Riva is an artist um, who who's who's uh, suffered um, from very very difficult health issues all her life, and she writes about this with with incredible poignancy and and brilliance, and um, and it's also illustrated with her amazing paintings it's an incredibly brave and astounding piece of uh piece of piece of writing and she calls herself golem girl um go- golem after the 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 um the the the, the f- famous uh, character from from jewish folklore um, mm. um and it's just astounding and can i recommend another oh go ahead <laughs> i would love to oh, this so this is a this is a book called Seeking Fortune Elsewhere by Cynthia Banu. It's just out in paperback, and I, I feel slightly uh, naughty saying this, but Cynthia was was a was a student of of mine at the Michener Center at the University of Texas at Austin. I mean, we I didn't work with her writing; I just uh, did a, a seminar with her. Um, but this this book. Um, out now in paperback is um, a collection of short stories and it's actually one of the most extraordinary pieces of brilliant writing I, I, I think I've ever read. Uh, I'm one of my absolute favourite collections of short stories and she's actually, she's astoundingly brilliant, it's fresh, it's funny, it's strange, um, at times it's about the um, immigrant experience, at times it's about um, India, it's just it's just a breathtakingly beautiful book. All right. Well, three good recommendations. I'm going to have to check those out. So, because this is the first time I'm hearing about them. So I'll have to check those out. Fantastic. So if you would like to go ahead and do the reading now. Um, so I'm just going to read the first pa- paragraph of the book. So hopefully it doesn't need any any more explanation. Um, and this is just Edith herself speaking, 12-year-old girl. I should say that she... She is almost monochrome. Her skin is very gray. Her hair is sort of grayish red. She wears a gray tunic. She's encouraged to put ash on her face. Um, and she's never been out. But this is this is how the, the novel begins. Chapter one, at home. In Great Britain, in England, on the bump on the right that is about halfway down the country, by which I mean the rounded bit that has a pleasant and generous look to it, something like the handle of a favourite teacup or the curve of a lovely ear, is East Anglia. The top of that bump is the county of Norfolk. A little to the right of the centre of Norfolk is a city called Norwich. Norwich, seen upon the map, is roughly the shape of a leg of mutton. In the centermost point of Norwich, around the tip of the shank, is a castle called... Norwich Castle. It was built by the Normans and is the type of castle called a keep. Ten minutes walk from the castle is the Holler Theatre. I have lived here upon Theatre Street my whole life. There are side streets around the building. They're called Chapelfield East and Chantry Road. And there is our neighbour, the Assembly House, and a little beyond that, the Church of St. Stephen. And that is the whole box around the theatre. I was born here and have not been anywhere else since, not even once. 
Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you so much. So this is so wonderful. Thank you so much for your time also and for just, you know, sitting down and talking with me. Oh, uh, no, it was great. I had such a I had such a great time. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. And thanks to Edward Carey for doing this podcast and for the reading. Join us next week when we talk to best-selling author Vanessa Lilly about her new book, Blood Sisters.